With Venture's sector selection and the agility of the VC model, Pan-European Venture has fought back against the pandemic. But will bifurcation and the mid-stage funding gap throw Venture off its footing? What regions are performing best? How has government lending assisted VC-backed companies? We'll find this out and more on this episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome to the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Today, we're launching our 2021 season after a little break over Christmas and the new year, and we've got our boxing gloves on to discuss venture. While the venture segments of the various regions of Europe have by no means been immune to the pandemic, VCs across Europe have been able to react more promptly and effectively than traditional segments of the PE markets, Also, some unquote reporters have found. The system has seen a remarkable amount of investment through the pandemic from both local and international VCs. In January alone, Eurasio, TCV, Index Ventures, Forbian and a list of others have been involved in funding rounds worth at least 100 million euros. With large amounts of capital to deploy and with investment volume holding up through 2020, as well as the traditional focus of venture being on sectors that have benefited from the crisis such as healthcare and technology, we here at Unquote anticipate an exciting year for European venture. We'll be discussing valuations, bifurcation, government lending and the fundraising market, and later we'll move on to a deep dive into venture in Southern Europe. But for now, I have Greg Gilles, Unquote's editor. Hi, Greg. Thanks for being here. No worries at all, Kat. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast and um, Happy New Year to you and uh, our listeners, of course. And Simon Phillips, the CEO of Scale Up Capital. Hi, Simon. Hi, Catherine. Delighted to be here. So first of all, I wanted to get an idea of the overall picture. What's the statistical situation for the venture ecosystem? Greg? Yeah, absolutely. It it was actually uh, a very solid year for venture. And I think no one really saw that coming in the first place last uh, so as, as the year went on, because everyone was so focused on uh, probably the sort of the, uh, the, the buyout segment of the private equity space, which was definitely impacted, as we've discussed uh, at length in, in recent podcasts, um, it was definitely impacted by the COVID-19 outbreak. And I think venture sort of, you know, kept ticking on in the background and uh, both, you know, us editorially and I think um, commenters and observers more widely um, sort of um, didn't didn't repay really too much attention beyond the sort of the, the specialists there. Um, so yeah, good year, good year overall. The, the momentum that had been building up for, for a few years now wasn't really broken last year. In fact, if I look at Uncle Data and sort of bundle in, it, it's always a bit tricky to just isolate pure venture. Uh, but looking at venture capital and growth capital as well, um, there was actually an uptick in volume last year. A slight, you know, not massive. And in fact, in, in aggregate value of these investments, it was down ever so slightly. But really, you know, we're talking about 37.9 billion, I think, in 2019 of overall value, 37.5 last year. So really not, you know, not that big a deal. And about, um, I think, 150 more transactions. Uh, so it's so pretty good. Um, and in that regard, if we look just at this, the, the bigger um, ticket rounds, so let's say limited to 50 million to 250 million rounds, um, the value held up uh, very well there as well, as did the volume of deals. In fact, I think we had a slight uptick in 2020. So overall, not bad at all. 
With this influx of capital that we've recently been seeing going into the venture ecosystem, Simon, do you think the quality of the companies that this capital is being driven into is strong? I think there's always a spread. I mean, the the VC model, clearly it's a, it's a hits driven model. So in, a, in any one fund, there's usually quite a large number of investments. And uh, you know each of those at the start has got tremendous hope value and a tremendous possibility of being a moonshot. But the model only requires actually a, a small number of those to reach the moon, maybe just even one or two. And uh, many of the businesses along the way will either you know, un- underperform or plateau out. So I, I think you, you're always going to have that spread in the venture capital world, and there's going to be a spread, therefore, of quality. That there'll be the out, out and out hits and winners, and as long as a fund gets one or two of those, then it pays for everything else, and it makes it a very successful fund. I think uh, you know you do see a virtuous circle at the top of that market, where the best VC funds have got very smart people, great ecosystems, and they attract the best founders and the best entrepreneurs, and it's a vice versa relationship there where the best entrepreneurs want the best funds, the best funds want the best entrepreneurs. And so you do see, I think, quite a, again, a spread between the leading VCs who get into that virtuous circle, get the best founders wanting to work with them, and they have tremendous returns. Uh, The other end of the spectrum, I think, is more challenging. And that's where you might find perhaps lower average quality of businesses and of uh, you know, outcomes. And, um, but, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm sort of broadly very positive about tech and about growth and about entrepreneurs. In this country, we have more startups than uh, any other country in the world, apart from the US, apart from India. I think that's only going to get better and more so. I think we're a country full of creative innovators. My particular interest, as I described earlier, is in that scale-up phase. And that's where an awful lot of companies don't make it through and don't reach escape velocity. There's some really quite scary stats, actually, that only um, 40% of startups live more than three years and only 6% of UK companies grow at more than 20% per annum during that scale-up phase and only 2% make it to more than 1 million revenues. And, um, you know, the even when you look at the VC model, I think it's something like one in 100 will make it to unicorn status, so a kind of moon landing, as it were. And, you know, the, the best VCs will have a disproportionate number of those for the reasons I've explained. But either way, it's not, it's not a high, it's clearly not a high percentage, it's a low percentage. And that, that's the phase where I think there is scope to really improve quality and improve outcomes is to help companies, uh, you know, scale up more successfully and to help more of them get there and reduce the number of failures and reduce the number of those that sort of plateau out by giving them a lot of help and a lot of support and, and structured structured support. So not just advice, but real on the ground programs and processes and benchmarks and case studies and so on and so on that will help more of these companies scale up. And I, you know, for me, that's how we can really help. That's how other investors like us can help to overall deliver better quality uh, businesses at scale and overall better outcomes. And why do you think the segment has been so resilient to the pandemic, Greg? It's interesting to look at it from a quarterly perspective um, when the wider private equity market was 
badly, badly impacted in, in Q2 um, and talking here about um, about the buyout space with big drops in, in aggregate volume um, and, and aggregate value. Definitely not the case for venture. In fact, uh, there was a fairly strong uptick in Q2 compared to Q1 last year, um, and that sort of stayed about level in Q3. Q4 is, is looks fairly disappointing volume-wise on Uncle Data just now, but I suspect uh, there's still quite a lot that the research team um, still needs to input from sort of December onward. Um, so yeah, limited limited impacts. And I think, I mean, the reasons why, um, it's probably not going to surprise our, our listeners. Uh, everyone will kind of wrap their heads around that. Um, the, the main reason is obviously the transactions themselves are first of all less uh, less complex and especially don't rely on on leverage, which was obviously a big part of um, of why the bottom fell out the, the buyout market in Q2. There was just a, a stark lack of um, first of all auctions progressing, um, and and then uh, a part of that was. Uh, the inability to, to put financing packages together. It's obviously less the case for venture. Um, there, there, there are still concerns and people will sort of maybe scale back on on their fundraising plans on the venture side. I mean, companies will um, select investors, might be a bit more cautious about deploying, uh, but clearly that that didn't really happen. We, we saw it, it stay pretty level. Um, and beyond that, obviously, um, that the the slightly more you know harder to prove uh, notion that that perhaps venture players are a bit more game and a bit more nimble um, to to react to these sorts of events. Um, but something that is definitely I think holds a bit more sway is the fact that the sectors that venture typically targets um, have have tended to be just more shielded to, than others. Obviously, you know, few few venture players will will target the the leisure sector. I mean, they they will in 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 roundabout ways, but by and large, we're talking a lot about tech. We're talking a lot about software. We're talking a lot about um, life sciences, obviously, um, healthcare and and uh, and biopharma, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all of which were relatively less affected than others. Interesting and. Has the pandemic driven an improvement in Europe's mid-stage funding gap? Well, I think the future fund has certainly helped plug some of that gap. So more businesses have been able to access money through the future fund that the government scheme um, who otherwise would have struggled to raise money. So whether all of that money will end up having landed in a good home where it will you know, deliver a good equity outcome and good result for the government purse, we'll have to wait and see. Probably a lot of it won't, but some of it would have found a really good home. And I, I think that has helped with the funding gap. Uh, I think the pandemic more generally has only boosted the sorts of sectors that we focus on. So tech, software, digital, etc. You know, these are businesses that by and large have uh, have only had a, an extra following wind because of the trend towards more e-commerce, more remote delivery, more homeworking, more online, um, you know, transactions, all of that is sort of supporting the growth, if not accelerating the growth. So where there's growth, there's always money. And I, I'm, I think therefore the pandemic in some ways will, will help both the, uh, uh, the size of the pool of money coming into venture and into tech but also will help the outcomes and, the, and will help more of the businesses get to critical mass and you know, reach escape velocity. 
And how is the venture fundraising market looking, Greg? I mean, if you look at 2020, uh, always a big caveat with fundraising, it is a cyclical um, activity by by its very nature. Um, So it's always hard to have causality or or you know correlation uh, between between what happens and in, um, in the wider space and uh, fundraising figures but it looks pretty you know pretty even keel again uh, that sense of, of momentum that that kept going was was very much at play in um, in 2020 on the fundraising side a slight dip i think in the number of of funds that we saw reach a final close uh, of venture funds that reached final close in 2020 we counted about 55 on uncut data that's for european managers as well bearing in mind um against 60 the the previous year so again not really not a big drop and in terms of the aggregate commitments that they collected um it's about 9 billion euros which is in fact, eerily similar to the sort of the yearly haul that we've seen um, that, that we've been seeing since about 2017. So again, that sense of you know it's ticking along. There hasn't been a, a big boom or a big you know big valleys and and peaks um, in fundraising for venture like we've seen with uh, with private equity in general. Um, and we can add to that as well and further to your questions about, you know, the, the ones that are still on the road and, and what the future holds. Um, so 55 final closes for venture funds last year. Um, you can add to that 48 funds that held a, a first close in that same period, which is actually pretty solid. Um, and in fact, um, you, I think the players on the road would hope that... Um, there will be that sort of continuing momentum and you know the fact that venture wasn't too disturbed by the by the pandemic and the events of last year because i think we've still got about 94 funds that launched in the past couple of years that are still on the road so they will probably want that overall environment to remain uh, to remain positive so if we look at, at the funds that held a, a final close last year there's, there's some good names there's some recently big funds as well in terms of venture Atomico 5, um, Life Sciences Partners, their sixth fund, um, Forbian 5, um, Lake Star Growth, uh, slightly more on the, the growth capital side of things. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there's there's been a fair amount. And I think overall, again, considering where we've seen perhaps for, you know, smaller managers in the private equity in the buyout space, um, that's that's reassuring for venture, I think. I'd like to know, how have valuations fared in this market? And Simon, do you expect those changes to be positive or negative for the wider ecosystem? It, I think it's, uh, it's dividing the world into two. So if you have an e-commerce model or an online delivery model, um, then your valuation is the same or higher than it was. Whereas if you're in a business that relies on face-to-face in, in any way, whether it be face-to-face selling or face-to-face deployment um, or any type of physical get-together. I mean, obviously, those businesses have taken a hit. Their growth rate's down. Their valuation is down. The government schemes have helped out there. So we've seen very few businesses that have ended up having to raise money on uh, much lower terms because they've been able to access one or more of the government schemes. So I think that's propped it up. But once those schemes are withdrawn, then you you will have to see a significant drop in valuation for that you know for that side of the business world. Um, so I think it's going to end up being a, a kind of game of two halves 
there, you'll, you'll see, if anything, even higher valuations on the digital, pure digital businesses, the pure plays, if you like, and lower valuations on the rest. Uh, it's interesting to hear about the ways that government loans have been helping uh, different startups. When you talk about government funding, are you referring mainly to the Future Fund? Yes, exactly, the Future Fund. Yeah, that's the main one. But also some of the other um, loan schemes, grant schemes, they've all helped. But the principal one for the community of businesses that we see regularly is the, is the Future Fund. And that has, you know, I think, I think that has enabled a lot of companies to raise money on, if you like, pre-COVID terms. Southern Europe has recently seen its VC industry grow amid the pandemic, so we thought we'd do a regional deep dive with Alessia Argentieri, our senior reporter who covers Southern Europe. Thank you so much for being with us, Alessia. Hi, Kat. Thanks for having me. So I wondered, first of all, if you could walk us through what what do you think have been the main drivers in the continued investment in venture during the pandemic in Southern Europe? Well, uh, in Southern Europe, and when we talk Southern Europe, we are referring primarily to Italy and Iberia. Uh, the venture capital ecosystem has been able to react very effectively to the pandemic and its challenges uh, compared to more traditional segments of the local private equity industry. For numerous Italian, Spanish and Portuguese startups, uh, the coronavirus crisis has created a new wave of interest in their activity and has contributed in refocusing both private and public investors' attention on their potential. That's why, compared with uh, 2019, DL value in the early stage space across the region increased by more than 40%, and DL volume rose by more than 20% in 2020. So these companies, um, these companies' business model and their approach focused on digital technology innovation have allowed them to either refocus their activity or push further with their research and development. And this has been a potent driver in attracting investments during the pandemic. And if this is true for most of Europe, it has been particularly noticeable in markets like Italy and Iberia, which don't have a venture capital ecosystem as developed and advanced as other countries. You've been covering the venture and private equity market in Southern Europe, and you've recently written an interesting piece about Southern Europe. For unquote, do you think Southern Europe will become a, a more important part of the pan-European venture ecosystem? And, and if so, what, what makes you think so? Yes, absolutely. The fact that the pandemic has accelerated the digitalization of customer habits and the innovation of entire segments of the market will probably allow Southern Europe to bridge the gap to other European countries that are ahead of them, especially considering that this trend is very likely destined to last and will massively affect the world economy in the coming months and years. A sign of this development can be found in the increase in value and volume that we have recently seen across the later stage space, which has always been a bit underdeveloped in smaller VC markets like Italy and Iberia. So we have seen several large deals last year, especially across the e-commerce, medtech and deep tech verticals in Southern Europe. In addition, the strong potential of the venture capital ecosystem has fueled the fundraising activity of several local vehicles, which were able to attract the interest of local and international LPs and reach their final closes. 
And at the same time, several VC funds were launched in 2020 or held their first close in the last few months and are now expected to wrap up their fundraising in 2021. So overall, Southern Europe is set to play a bigger part in the pan-European venture capital space in the coming months, both in terms of deal flow and fundraising opportunities. Wonderful. I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing about some of the uh, the companies that are coming up in the region. And I'm afraid that's all we have time for this week. Do look out for upcoming episodes on fund administration and on assets with strong recurring revenues. Please take the opportunity to subscribe to the Unquote Private Equity podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or of course, continue listening on unquote.com. A very big thank you to Simon, Alessia and Greg, our producer Tim, And as always, a big thank you to you too, listener. Speak to you soon.